The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, August 13, 2023, on the basis of 1 Kings 19, verses 9 through 18. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. If you and your loved ones have not as of yet set an agreed-upon AI safe word, you may want to. Perhaps you heard about the story from a few months back where an Arizona woman received a phone call from what sounded every bit like her 15-year-old daughter. The daughter's voice on the other end of the line sounded frantic and afraid as she explained to her mother how she had been kidnapped. Pretty soon the man, alleging to be her kidnapper, took over the call. He issued a whole bunch of threats and then he demanded a one million dollar ransom if the mom ever wanted to see her daughter again. As you might imagine, the mom instantly panicked. And yet thankfully it was not very long before she figured out that it was all a big scam that what sounded like the voice of her own daughter was actually a voice that had been replicated using AI, artificial intelligence technology. AI scams are getting more and more common in our world. The technology is getting so sophisticated that scammers only need just a, a word or two, just a second or so of audio recording in order to be able to replicate someone's voice. And so a lot of experts are suggesting that families should set one of these AI safe words, a quick word or phrase that guarantees that the person who is on the other end of the line is, in fact, who they claim to be. But you know, that kind of got me thinking. If AI technology is getting so sophisticated that just a second or two of audio recording is needed, then what does that say? For a person who stands right here in front of an entire room full of people and week after week talks and talks and talks and talks and have, has every single word streamed and recorded and posted on the internet where anyone can find it. Much less, what does that say about our poor new vicar? He's so excited to get started, but over the course of the next year, he is going to stand right in this very same place, and for a grand total of about 300 minutes, he is going to be talking to you with every single one of his words streamed and recorded and posted where anyone can find it. And so I guess that means that if you ever get a call from your pastor or from your vicar, you should just be skeptical from the get-go. <laughs> and certainly... If I ever call you and I tell you that I'm stranded overseas and I need you to wire me money so that I can get home, don't send anything unless, unless I say, duck-billed platypus. <laughs> In all seriousness, there actually is a very significant scam that people who come to church and people who sit in pews listening to pastors and vicars need to be on the lookout for. And it has nothing to do with AI technology. It's because each and every week, right from this very place, a pastor or a vicar says to you things like, God loves you. God is always with you. God is in complete control. And God will always do what is best for you. 
That's the message that you hear while you're sitting in those pews. But then you walk out the door and you seem to get a very different message. It often seems as though everything is out of control. It often seems as though you are completely all alone. It often seems as though nothing in your life is going according to plan. And so which one of those two messages is the scam? Because they can't both be true at the same time. And unfortunately, the stakes for falling for this scam are incredibly high. If you and I fall for this scam, we could very well end up in the very same place where we're going to see the prophet Elijah this morning. In the verses that are in front of us, the prophet Elijah is holed up in a cave. And he's afraid. He's fearful. He's frustrated and ready to give up. And if you fall for this scam, you might not end up stuck in a literal cave, but you might end up feeling exactly how he felt. Frustrated, alone, angry, ready to give up while it feels as though the walls of life are just caving in more and more. Thankfully, these verses that are in front of us this morning are not just going to expose the very real scam that can put us right with Elijah in that cave. They are also going to show us the one and only thing that can get us out of that cave. As we look at these verses from 1 Kings chapter 19 this morning, the big lesson that God wants to teach us, the very same lesson that he taught Elijah is this, that the scam that puts you in the cave in the first place can't possibly be the thing that gets you out. So what was that scam that Elijah had fallen for that caused him to wind up in that cave? Well, Elijah served God as a prophet at a time where a very wicked king and queen, Ahab and Jezebel, were in power. And not only that, but they were leading God's people away from worship of the one true God and into worship of a false god called Baal. Well, just a little ways prior to these verses, God had granted Elijah this impressive and powerful display that he was, in fact, the only true God at a place called Mount Carmel. God had rained down fire from heaven to completely consume both the altar and the sacrifice that Elijah had made. And in the presence of all the people who were there, God had made it painfully obvious, crystal clear, that the Lord was the one true God. But what was the reaction? Well, Ahab and Jezebel didn't immediately admit that they were wrong. There wasn't some sort of national revival in Israel where the people eventually eliminated all Baal worship from the country. Instead, that wicked queen Jezebel made a vow that she would put Elijah to death within the next 24 hours. And inevitably, or, or evidently, the people were too busy to rush to his defense. And so Elijah was done. He took off on a 40-day journey south, all the way out into the desert, all the way out to this place called Mount Horeb, the mountain of God hoping that maybe God would appear to him one more time, just like he had appeared in that very place to the people of Israel when Moses was leading them through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. Elijah went there hoping to meet with God and ready to tell him just how frustrated he was, how angry and how bitter he was, how he was ready to quit, how he was ready to give up. And sure enough, the Lord did appear 
to Elijah there at Mount Horeb. In fact, God told him to get ready because he was once again about to make his presence obvious. And so at first there was this great roaring wind, a wind that split rocks and tore the mountain apart. Certainly impressive to look at, but that wasn't God. Then there was an earthquake, also very impressive to look at, but the earthquake wasn't God either. Then there was a fire, always impressive to look at, but that wasn't God either. Finally, there was a gentle whisper, a still, small voice. Nothing impressive to look at at all. In fact, the kind of thing that you need to be completely quiet just to be able to hear. But there, in that gentle whisper, that was where God was to be found. See, God was trying to teach Elijah the important lesson that he had fallen for a big scam. He had fallen for the scam of equating God's presence and his power with the things that he could see with his eyes. Which works great when God is raining down fire on Mount Carmel, but that very same assumption when Elijah's life was suddenly threatened was what caused Elijah to believe that now God was nowhere to be found. Elijah was convinced of two very important, very dispiriting truths. That God's enemies had all of the power and God's people were few and far between. So do you think you and I can fall for that very same scam? It sure is easy, especially when maybe we have things happen in our lives like what happened to Elijah on Mount Carmel, when there's this very glorious, very seemingly victorious and obvious display of God's power and might. Or maybe when we have things happen to us like what happened to Peter in today's gospel. At God's invitation, we take a leap of faith. We step out in faith, trusting Jesus. And for a while, it seems as though we are walking on water. We are defying the very laws of nature. But then everything suddenly changes and we see something very different. Suddenly there are waves that are way higher than our heads and they are fast approaching. Suddenly there are threats to our livelihoods and to our loved ones. And if we are assuming that God is only with us in ways that our eyes can see, then it's then that we are going to end up convinced of exactly what Elijah was convinced of. We are going to end up sinking in doubt just like Peter did. All because of that scam. All because we trusted our eyes, we ended up stuck in that cave. Well, thankfully, that gentle whisper, that still small voice in which God could be found had some very good news that God wanted to deliver to Elijah. God said that he should leave the cave, he should go back the way that he came, he should first of all anoint a man named Hazael to be king over Aram. He should anoint a man named Jehu to be king over Israel. And he should anoint Elisha to be his successor as the Lord's prophet. And perhaps even better news than those instructions, God said that through those three men, the complete destruction of the entire household of Ahab and Jezebel would be brought about. What's truly remarkable about that is that one of those three individuals that God was going to use, Hazael, king of Aram, he was a godless king from a godless nation. 
And so God was telling Elijah that he was going to use even a man like that, even the power of those who were evil, God was going to use for his own purposes. Not only that, but God also told Elijah that he had more than a few aces up his sleeve. There were still 7,000 people in Israel who had not fallen into worship of the false god Baal. And so Elijah was convinced that God's enemies had all of the power, that God's people were few and far between, but God taught him a different lesson. He taught him that even that God's power includes even the power of God's enemies and that even when God's people seem few and far between, God will always keep more than enough. Now here's where we can get these verses a little bit wrong. We can assume that the second Elijah stepped out of that cave and went and did the things that God told him, everything that God said was going to happen, happened. Well, it did, sort of. Those three men that God mentioned were all anointed into their various offices. And eventually, the entire household of wicked King Ahab and wicked King Jezebel was completely destroyed. But it took several decades for that to happen. In fact, by the time it happened, Elijah wasn't even around anymore to see it with his own eyes. See, this scam of, of putting our trust in our eyes is so very sinister that it can get us coming and going. We sit here in God's house each week and we hear that God loves us. God's always with us. He's always in control. He will always do what's best for us. And we believe it. But then we head out the door. We see something different. We end up in that cave. And so we come back to hear God's promises. And then as much as we put our trust in them, as much as we believe them, we then head out the door and we think that very soon our eyes will see what we have heard God say with our ears. That instantly God is going to turn everything around. No rush, God, no pressure. If, if Monday morning doesn't work out, then Tuesday will be good enough. And pretty soon the very scam that put us into the cave has got us right back there. If trusting our eyes is the scam that first of all puts us into the cave, it can't possibly be the thing that gets us out. We cannot take God's still, small voice and turn it into a loud and booming shout. The things that God promises us, the truths of which he assures us, may not immediately be evident to our eyes as we head out into the world. In fact, some of the things that God promises us, just like Elijah, may not come true while our eyes are open to see them. And yet here's the big advantage that we have over the prophet Elijah. This scam is not just something that is centuries old. This scam is something that has been completely debunked, completely disproven. I mean, if Elijah thought that God's enemies had all of the power and God's people were few and far between when his life was being threatened, how about when the life in question belonged to God's own son? On that day, when all of the power, the religious power of God's own people and the political power of the greatest empire the world had ever seen was all aimed squarely at Jesus. 
that day when there were far from 7,000 in Israel who were still faithful believers, when even Jesus' own 12 disciples had betrayed him and denied him and abandoned him. That day when it seemed when God was nowhere to be found, that's when God proved beyond all doubt that his power even includes his enemy's power. And that even when God just has one ace left up his sleeve, that's more than enough. Because it was in Jesus' death that you and I are given life. It was in God's condemnation of Jesus that you and I have our forgiveness. It was in God's rejection of his own son Jesus that you and I can be confident that we will always find acceptance with him. It was in Jesus' apparent weakness and defeat that you and I have victory and salvation. And on that day, God completely debunked this scam once and for all. If it is trust in our eyes that gets us stuck in the cave in the first place, it is only trusting in God's voice that can possibly get us out. So don't fall for it ever again. When Vicar or I stand here and we say to you, God loves you, and God is always with you, and God is in complete control, and God will always do what is best for you, know that you can trust his voice completely. But just in case you're tempted to fall for that scam again, we actually cheated for you just a little bit when we built this church. Because the fact is that whether I'm standing here or Vicar's standing here, this message that comes from God certainly doesn't seem very powerful. It doesn't seem very impressive. It doesn't seem very convincing. So if you're ever tempted to doubt it, just look up a little bit to that window that's right behind me. That window that is meant to depict this very story, that still, small voice, that gentle, whisping whisper through which God comforts and assures us. Because that gentle whisper is always meant to be a gentle whisper. Unimpressive, unconvincing, unpowerful is actually the point. And it's the only thing that can bring us out of the cave. Amen. Amen. 